My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today. I have a really exciting guest coming on. The guest I'm bringing on today, Zach Knight. He's a former Metro Atlanta police officer. Then from there, he went to an infantry leader in the army. Today, Zach is an operations consultant, business leader, media specialist, podcaster, podcast coach, and security specialist. He's the founder of Battle and the host of Tactical Lead, The Tactical Leader. So welcome to the show, buddy. How's it going? Uh, it's phenomenal. I appreciate you having me today. Absolutely. And I know I kept it pretty brief because of the, you know, the interviews are pretty short here, Zach. But, you know, I'll allow you to fill in those gaps. Um, you have a wide variety of stuff to talk about today. But you know what? Let's start off with your story and how you got to where you are today. Um, I, I'm sure you have a lot of value to add. And I think it would be great just to start from the beginning, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised here in Atlanta. Um, these days, that's actually a feat. Most uh, folks in Atlanta aren't born and raised here, but um, really the professional life led me to being a police officer here. I did uh, SWAT, narcotics, gangs investigations while I was a police officer. Uh, during that time, I went to a Dale Carnegie um, course here in Atlanta and actually went back and trained in Dale Carnegie and taught Dale Carnegie, where that's kind of my first view into leadership and entrepreneur entrepreneurship, uh, public speaking as a whole. Um, that led right into basic training. So at 28, I went to basic training with the army, um, the old guy, 10 years older than everybody else around me and they're running circles around me. So it was kind of, kind of rough. And then my drill sergeant was years younger than me and was in my face yelling at me. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to go from being a SWAT operator, kicking indoors to then doing pushups when a 26 year old yells at you. Um, so it was a good humbling experience, but became an infantry officer, um, then in 2019, I deployed the Green Berets over to Afghanistan on a combat deployment. And then uh, in between all of that, I started several businesses. Um, right now, I own seven businesses, the last one being a 501c for veteran business owners. Um, but I have kind of a, a whole smattering of different businesses that I own and operate and mostly focus on uh, business coaching, consulting, and helping others build their business now. Absolutely amazing. I'm so happy you were able to fill in the gaps there. Like, like you said, you have seven businesses in total and it's just incredible. I mean, the stuff that you're doing and everything that you've actually done in, up until now, it's just uh, mind blowing. So thank you for sharing that. So as of right now, let's talk a little bit about your business battle. Uh, if you want to dive in as to, you know, what it's all about, how you go about your offers, we can take it from there. Yeah, and you nailed it perfectly. Uh, so battle stands for be a tactical leader. So the podcast, um, I started the podcast, the tactical leader years ago. Um, and I always found an interesting piece attached to business. People love the theory, which is the tactical leader, but they buy the how, right? And you can write this big old fancy book, but if nobody understands it, they're, they're not going to do anything with it. So be a tactical leader really became that piece of teaching people how to be a tactical leader in their business. So a big piece of it is really focused on helping people create big wins in their small business. And that's different pieces from operations to business coaching, consulting, masterminds, group coaching, 
Um, we really focus on helping our clients get on stages, whether that's virtual, podcasting, or in person. Um, then we create PR content around it. So I have a videographer, graphic designers on staff that help us create content that kind of highlight the things you're doing. Because uh, one thing I learned uh, very quickly is if you're doing some amazing things and nobody knows you're doing it, it doesn't do you any good. Um, and as a veteran, that's a big piece for us. We really struggle with marketing ourselves. And then you look at entrepreneurs. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time uh, talking about themselves, right? And uh, realistically, the brand uh, is you are that brand. And if you can't put yourself in the front of the camera, which I struggle with all the time, uh, it becomes difficult to really promote yourself and sell yourself attached to that brand. So trying to help that collaborative piece where if clients struggle with that, I help them build the uh, sales process of getting on stage all the way to converting to their high ticket offer. This is incredible. I mean, the struggles are, you know, that you're, you're helping them with are so common that we need help with that. Right. So I love that you're able to provide that to people that are needing it. Now, I know you have a lot of value to add to this topic, you know, your journey of self-mastery. Can we dive into that? I mean, did it start with your own journey of self-mastery? And now this is what you're teaching to others. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, it's kind of an interesting thing that I realized over the years. I really got focused on leadership and I loved um, Dale Carnegie and a lot of his teachings come forward and what I talk about. Um, then I kind of hit a wall at one point um, during COVID. Uh, a lot of people struggled during COVID, but I actually excelled. I, I launched three of the companies during COVID and actually got reactivated in the military. So I was active duty military uh -huh. managing six companies. And um, I was able to launch one really, really well, attached a couple other to it. But overall, we scaled those companies to 155 countries in the first eight months. And uh, you, you talk about virality, or you hear about virality, and, and we were able to catch it and run with it in a world that was shutting down. So it was really fascinating to see how that grew. And uh, we grew it so quickly um, that NBC ended up catching an eye on us. And um, we essentially turned down an eight-figure offer for that company wow. because we had the altruistic mission of we're making an impact globally, whereas we we're a competitive brand and uh, essentially they were going to shut us down. Um, come to find out really big companies can do that either way. Uh, so if you don't accept the money, they might run a little bit of interference anyways. Um, but during that time, I actually found out about the nerve damage in my arm from the deployment. I had surgery on my arm and the week before the surgery, um, I, I recognized how miserable I was. I was drinking a bottle of bourbon every night, um, really was in my head about uh, leader's guilt, survivor's guilt. I lost six guys in Afghanistan, so I really struggled with coming back to the civilian world. Um, and it, it drove me to a point where one night, about a week before the surgery, I was actually uh, at the bottom, bottom of a bottle of bourbon. Um, and I was actually at the end of a dock with a pistol in my mouth and I was ready to just become another statistic with, as a veteran, you know, 22 a day, kill themselves across, uh, across the world and, um, here in the States. And, and that was a, a piece where on paper you can look at it. I'm massively successful. I had an MBA, I had multiple businesses. The numbers were just going crazy. And every step of the way, I absolutely hated myself. And I hated what was going on. I hated so many things. So I railroaded a marriage, uh, just my friendships, my relationships. I did all the things to separate myself from the world. And my journey, the, the book I released is called A Legacy of Love, A Journey of Self-Mastery. And it focuses around those things that I had to learn, how to lead myself so I could more effectively lead others. And that journey of self-mastery was one of those that I, I thought the end of a doc was thought that was like rock bottom, right? And I thought that was like the worst you could ever hit. And now it's nowhere but up. And uh, what I realized um, 
about a week later, I got off active duty, moved back to Atlanta and a, a close friend of mine sat me down. He's like, you've done all this external learning, all this knowledge. Like you got your MBA, you've paid for coaching, mentoring, you've done all these things to invest in external knowledge. It's like, you've never taken the time to sit down and learn by yourself. So now that you're, I've identified as the soldier or the police officer, the uniform I was wearing, I identified as that for so long as that was getting torn away from me. Um, I didn't know who I was anymore. And he's like, your biggest issue right now is that you don't know, you don't love yourself anymore. You don't know yourself enough to love yourself. So the journey of self mastery is really about falling in love with myself again. What are those things that I bring to the world, the value that I bring to the world. And it's kind of my, my story attached to the process. I, I discovered, rediscovered myself. I dated myself, if you will, where I had to find out who the heck I was outside of the uniform. And uh, what are those things that I love about myself? So that in those dark moments, I can look back and say, okay, here's the value I actually bring to this person, these people, um, the world as a whole. And it lets me love myself, even in those really dark moments that as entrepreneurs, we all struggle with all the rejection, all the things that we get turned down, all, all the quote unquote perceived failures. We, a lot of us take it personally because this is our baby, right? Like this is our thing where we're creating a business and we take it so personally sometimes uh, it can be really demoralizing and, and recognizing there are things outside of that that you should love about yourself uh, really highlighted for me that journey of self-mastery. This is absolutely incredible. I'm and also thank you for being vulnerable because that's what I'm looking for in my podcast. It's relatable. So thank you. Um, would you say that, you know, taking a step back from, like, like you mentioned, externally learning everything else, which is absolutely incredible. Like congrats on that. But then stepping into like learning within getting to know yourself, was that the biggest shift in not only yourself, but also the businesses for everything to really come to fruition, would you say? Or how did that change things um, within the businesses as well as within? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it's one of those, um, as a business coach, I, I hate that terminology, right? But And I don't teach anything mm -hmm. that I haven't done myself. I don't have experience in because it's kind of been, um, everybody's a coach these days, right? And it's like, ah, but you're not right. really. Um, so are you, what are you really teaching? So I hate the terminology, but what I recognize is I've worked more with clients. The I never wanted to be a life coach. I'm like, I'm not that guy. My life is shit at times. I don't want to teach people how to lead a shitty life. So I never right. wanted to be a life coach, but I recognized very quickly, every one of my business clients had personal issues that kept appearing, right? And those turned into limiting beliefs. Oh, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. I don't want to get in front of the camera because nobody wants to listen to me. I don't want to launch a podcast because nobody's going to listen to what I have to say, right? And it really... I figured out that a lot of those limiting beliefs I had in myself or the self-sabotage, the, I don't deserve this success. I don't deserve to be in front of the camera. Um, I don't deserve to be loved essentially, right? The personal relationships, every bit of that fed into the business and vice versa. And if we don't right. start learning how to integrate those two things, right? The business with the life, the life with the business, they, they start ebbing and flowing so much. As soon as I started putting the reps in, you know, I, I, I took the time to exercise my mind beyond just exercise your body, right? Take care of your mind. Everything shifted completely. People started buying into me in a different way. When I released the book on Veterans Day a couple months ago, um, it was a totally shift. I had so many people come up because this has all happened in the last two years. Um, so when they read the book, they're like, I didn't know you're going through all this while you're building this business. It's incredible what you've achieved. 
I'm like, yeah, imagine if I wasn't beating myself up all the, along the way. Imagine how much farther mm-hmm. along I could be if I wasn't sabotaging myself by saying I don't deserve to do X, Y, and Z. So it directly fed into the the now newfound uh, veterans of success, the happier level of success, right? Where I, I can enjoy that more because I, I feel like I deserve it now, whereas before I'm like, ah, I don't deserve this. So I wouldn't accept it, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you mentioned scaling um, in 155 countries while the world was shutting down, basically. Do you mind diving in as to how you did that? Like, if you can talk a little bit about your strategy that worked so well, that would be amazing. Yeah. So in that piece, I have a, a business partner, Jesse Paul Smith. Um, he grew up dancing with Justin Timberlake. He's the professional, right? So people say, oh, you have a dance competition. Can you dance? No, no, I surely cannot. Um, he was the CEO. I was the COO. Um, he was the guy in front of the camera. Um, I was the guy that was behind the camera, just where I wanted to be during that time, right? I didn't want anybody to see anything I was doing. Um, but the strategy we had, he was the big visionary. I was the guy that can get it done. And mm-hmm. what we came to the conclusion of is he wanted to get back into the dancing world. He had a massively successful sales consulting firm that lost 300 grand in revenue instantly when COVID shut down. Everybody fired him. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in sales. Nobody's doing anything anymore. So he lost all those clients. He wanted to get back into the dancing world. And one thing he said, he's like, hey, all these dancers don't have an outlet now. They don't have a studio because you can't be in studios now. All these studios got shut down. He's like, what if we can take this this idea of a dance competition, essentially a dance battle competition to the world? How do we get it to where anybody in the world can compete? You can't afford to come to American Idol or uh, America's Got Talent or all these other competitions. Most people in the world can't afford to travel to America to compete. So what if we take it to them? So we ended up creating a, a process where uh, we did all the, the video um, essentially on people's cell phone. They would stream it on sometimes 2G Wi-Fi. My media production company would clean up all the video. We'd, we'd create highlight reels, and we essentially streamed an online TV show um, where people could record it. They could prop their cell phone up. We'd clean up the video as we did it, and then mm-hmm. they could compete across the world. And we had our biggest audience was actually uh, South Africa, and then India. The United States was actually third place for our audience. So across the world, we're like, wow, we can see what the Americans are doing really well in talent competitions without ever having to leave our country. One, we can't afford it. Now the world's shut down. So we made a talent competition essentially accessible across the world without having to go anywhere. And we were able to promote that. And uh, one of our greatest successes actually happened in week three um, of this whole operation where we had uh, D'Angelo from South Africa come on the show. Absolutely crushed it. He did amazing. And this was in uh, April and May of 2020. So right in the middle when COVID was getting really, really bad. Um, he came on the show. We highlighted it. We promoted it. We were able to actually to send his info over to um, Unite, uh, not United. Um, Lord have mercy. Totally blanked on Universal. Excuse me. And he got Universal, signed to okay. he, he got signed to a contract with them. 10xed his revenue and ended up opening two dance studios in South Africa, all from that piece of taking it to the world where he would have never been discovered. Uh, so that that's where we turned down all, all that money. It's like the altruistic mission we have. We're accomplishing things that nobody else is impacting. And uh, one of the big pieces that we loved about it is we actually attached my domestic violence awareness nonprofit to this. So our tagline was dancing to defeat domestic violence. So we were able to get domestic violence awareness in 155 countries across the world. So how do you say, yes, this eight-figure contract's worth it when you're like, you're creating that impact? 
Um, unfortunately, NBC is a business and they didn't see it that way, but that's where the vision came from, right? Like, how do you create a passion and a purpose across the world? And dance is one of those things that unites people in any language, right? Dance is a common commonality. So uh, it was kind of an innovative way to look at, let's connect the world in a way that nobody else can right now. It's absolutely incredible the fact that, you know, you didn't have that the attachment to the, you know, to the money. I mean, that eight-figure contract looks great and everything, right? But that's not the purpose of the whole thing that you're doing anyway. And I'm sure you felt so empowered what, the way it worked out, the way that it did. And now he has two studios in South Africa. That's just incredible, giving these people a chance really to shine, right? So it's huge. So is yeah, that it was, uh, my, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, it, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, like that piece was amazing. Uh, one thing we learned dealing with big business is they get their way. We were still a small company. So either way, you know, NBC is NBC. So um, they kind of mm -hmm. throttled our project either way. And, you know, that, that's the, the kind of the disheartening piece of big business, right? Um, they can step on the little guys sometimes. So um, I, I think we did the right thing overall because um, you saw the impact. You still see the impact that we were able to create. Right. But um, that's one of those things that you can kind of highlight. That's where people really, the, the grassroots effort, right? They saw the mission. They saw the passion we had, the purpose we had. And um, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, that's huge. If you can attach to that, you, there's no telling the limits of where that type of program may go. Absolutely. So, Zach, I was going to ask you about the tactical leader. Now, do you mind just, you know, taking us back to, like, what were your intentions behind the podcast? And, I mean, where is it at today? Let's dive in there. Let's let's cover that. Yeah, so it's funny. I said a little bit earlier, I never wanted – I take it back. I always wanted to start a podcast, and I refused to do it because I'm like, nobody wants to listen to me. And mm -hmm. I was in a mastermind. I was in a group program, the same place where we started the dance competition, and – um, the entire group was like, you have to start a podcast. Like it's as newer as 2019. Like it was still semi new um, to being like a huge thing and COVID it really took off, but um, they were kind of starting to hit big. A lot of people were starting to make money off it. Like you have to start a podcast. It's such a great, like, nobody wants to listen to me. And they're like, well, you have tactical knowledge from military and from police. And like, you're a leader, like you love leadership. So just call it tactical leadership. I'm like, okay, right. still nobody wants to listen to me. And my mentor, he he shaped in a way, Travis Chappell, he uh, had the Build Your Network podcast for years, and um, he monetized his podcast a little bit over seven figures in the first 18 months and absolutely crushed it. Um, and he was my mentor attached to this. He's like, you know, it's not about your leadership stance. If you have this limiting belief and this imposter syndrome about nobody wants to hear about your leadership, why don't you just go on a journey of learning about everybody else's leadership and educate yourself and, and the audience attached to these leaders across the world and use it as like an educational piece. So um, that first year, I made a little bit north of six figures with my show, and it was all about talking to other leaders, leaders of organizations. Um, and it grew and grew and grew and I shifted a little bit, rebranded to the tactical leader where I was speaking to the tactical leader of X, Y, and Z organization. And for a little while, it got very mindset related. So the the personal tactics, the leadership tactics they use to lead themselves as I was going through my dark. So it was almost like therapy, right? I was talking to people, mindset experts, people that could help me through the personal aspect, but also the business side. And it just uh, ended up just kind of going crazy where I love that reframing he gave me is it's not about me. It's about who can I talk to and their expertise. And there's no telling how much I've learned from that. 
right? Um, obviously, you've been able to monetize it uh, pretty well from that as well. But it, it, I think that was kind of the exciting piece. No different than Joe Rogan, right? He, it's not that he's about mm-hmm. making money with Spotify. It's like he wants to interview interesting people. And that's where I went. I want to inter- interview interesting leaders across different industries from different pieces. There's no telling what I could learn. And I kind of ran with that and it worked really well. Um, I think I just passed episode 400, um, doing about uh, three episodes a week for the last, uh, shoot, three and change years. Wow. It's been a while. Um, so yeah, uh, I've maintained that pretty well, about three episodes a week. Uh, shifts here and there occasionally, but overall keep a solid consistency on that. I love it. I mean, the authority and credibility that comes from the podcast, especially if you're consistent, which you clearly are. I mean, you're at, maybe you said over 400 or about 400 episodes now, three a week. I mean, people who come on your show, they see that, they know they want to be on your show because of that. I think it's cool having a podcast just for that reason as well. Like the people you can meet, all the entrepreneurs and experts all over the world globally. And the connections, right? It's huge. So you mentioned monetizing, Zach. How do you go about monetizing your podcast? You know, I, I've always been told I need to go get like advertisers, ads, sell ad spend um, attached to it. I've never monetized it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I have made some, let me take it back. I've done that somewhat. You know, I've had a couple sponsors here and there. Um, but I found that that kind of diluted my brand, especially depending on who it was, especially, especially in the veteran space. I, I manage a few other podcasts okay, besides yeah. my own. Um, and I didn't want to dilute my brand because you just never know that could be a really dangerous prospect. So right. um, the way I craft and the way I teach my clients to monetize is using the podcast as the tip of the spear for sales and marketing. So essentially I created a sales process, sales funnel, um, that creates about 60, 65 touch points for every guest that comes on the show. And it ends up back ending either a referral for business or another guest or uh, offers up different pieces where I uh, think a soft pitch, right? So I soft pitch different services, whether it's the production company, business coaching. Um, now I have booking services to get on podcasts or get on stages, um, the PR side of stuff. So I've mm-hmm. always taught and monetized through service offerings. What's the back end offer that I can bring an ideal client onto the show? And not all of them, right? I, I've had the the Bradleys, the Jordan Harbingers, the big podcasters in the world. I've had them on. Those are always fun to talk to, but a big piece of the monetization is like, what can I offer this individual or what? who does this individual know that would love this type of service? And that's been a big piece of where I monetize was through the businesses themselves. I love it. Well, I'm so happy. I mean, the way you're it's working out for you sounds like I like the fact that you have the sales and the marketing in there already and it's good to go. Right. Uh, super exciting. Now you also teach that to your, the, the clients that you coach as well to help them get off up on their feet and running. Right. What would you say is some of the biggest challenges you get with these clients, maybe possibly, um, limiting belief wise within the podcast. I know you already mentioned a couple of things like, you know, no one wants to hear me speak, blah, blah, blah. But any other challenges that you face um, while coaching? Yeah, I think the big one is a limited view of how you can use a podcast. Um, and, and I can look at all the different ones. Um, I, ha- I had a client, um, she still has the podcast. Um, I helped her launch her podcast and monetize it. She has a brick and mortar wine shop. So she sells wine in a brick and mortar store. 
Um, she's like, well, I don't know how we could monetize a podcast and bring people on a national level. I'm like, it's not about that piece. So what we ended up doing, the strategy we created with her, um, it was called the Beachpreneur. It's all about entrepreneurs with the toes in the sand. I mean, it's in Panama City Beach in Florida. So like, instead of thinking national, how can you bring local businesses into the wine shop? We set up a studio in our wine shop, whole backs aesthetic piece of it was the wine shop. So instant marketing. And I'm like, and every person that comes on the show, the local business owners that can refer business to you, give them a bottle of wine, do a tasting for them or whatever, have um, podcast guest appreciation events, bring everybody back into the wine shop as a networking event. So what we ended up doing is using that as an excuse to bring people into our wine shop. So it increased her sales, sales and marketing built into it, right? Um, so I, I think for her, the big piece was I don't, she didn't know how to create the strategy to then funnel that into sales and marketing when it could be just as simple as like, hey, come to the wine shop and let's have a good conversation. And it ended up like taking off because she loved chit chat and loved sipping a glass of wine and it ended up being fun for her, which it should be, right? All this should be fun. If you're not having fun with it, there's no reason to do it at the end of the day. And if you can integrate it like that, um, it just ends up being a joyful piece of the business while being profitable. 100%. I love that you were able to, you know, come up with that solution for her to make it successful still, right? Because there are a lot of people who start podcasts and they just don't know the next uh, the next step. They're stuck in the one step and they don't know, you know, a lot of people put a lot out into their, invest a lot into their podcast, but don't get much in return, right? So it's 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 helpful to have someone like yourself to really direct them in the next step, right? So incredible. And it's that third, it's that third order effect. Like, like I said, if you, if you look directly at the podcast, it's made $0, technically speaking. But the third and tertiary effect, right? It's not, if I trace back, where'd I get this referral from, right? If it yeah. came from somebody that was a guest. So if you're tracking the metrics appropriately, like you should be doing in business anyways, if you're tracking the metrics appropriately and you see the process attached to it, then you start tracing these numbers back to, okay, the podcast got me this person. I met this person who referred this business. If you can look at it that way and understand that tertiary effect is what you're really looking for. That's where you can start tracing the numbers and like, okay, this is worth the time and effort. If that makes sense. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the podcast podcasts are great for being lead magnets and scaling the business. Uh, truly. And I, I feel like entrepreneurs should have one, even if they only, even if they have a brick and mortar, even if it's not an online business, because you just gave us an example of how it works. I mean, how you can come up with a solution, even if you have a brick and mortar to make it work as well, scale the business still. Now, say, um, what is your biggest client acquisition like? Um, is it a lot of them from the podcast or do they come all over the place what would what's the main lead acquisition for you i would say from 2019 to uh probably last year the podcast was huge um it, it was the the sole focus point because again i was active duty for a lot of that time so while okay. i was traveling the country with the military i was still able to podcast and still able to sell services on the back end um the podcast is still very very solid for me um, the big shift now, um, now that I'm back in Atlanta and I have uh, more of a local market, um, it, having hosting events, being on stage is the best way to make money for a business, whether it's a virtual or in-person stage, it is literally the best client acquisition you can ever ask for, but owning the stage, if you're the one that's putting the people on the stage, it shifts the dynamic where it's not just uh, monetizing the stage. You're now having people come to you 
to monetize them for the stage. So you become the one-stop resource. So uh, the podcast I still use as a stage to put people on, but now as I've started creating, I host about 10 or 12 events a month here in Atlanta. Um, And just for the last six months, six months ago, I held my very first in-person event. And then I'm like, holy cow, and 160 people registered. I'm like, wow, Wow. this is a game changer, right? So then how do you convert in person in a different capacity? So, but the evolution was the baseline was like, I got my, I increased my interview skills. I increased how to have a conversation with somebody in front of people. I increased my, uh, my public speaking all through the podcast. Now I just apply most of my events or me interviewing somebody very similar. I live stream it. I put it on my podcast, multi-purpose the content because podcasting is phenomenal, right? So I multi-purpose on stage onto the podcast and all of it becomes content for everything. Um, now I'm just having like in-person podcasts with an audience and the audience usually ends up converting into something else. Um, so it just shifts the dynamic a little bit of every time I'm on a stage, let's stream it and put it on the podcast, multi-purpose it. People love it. The speakers love it. It's PR galore. Um, and you're creating so much value for the individual. And the way I've broken down my podcast, it's, um, three, all three episodes each week are about that one guest. So they're getting a week's worth of content for coming on the podcast. Wow. Um, I can break that whole process down if you want, but that's where the multiple touch points come from. Then if they're in person, now I'm connecting them to an in-person audience and a national virtual audience. And it's just like the the capabilities for them become endless. And that's how I become the resource for getting on a stage. And that obviously back ends with the media production company and the PR services and the graphic design and the videography. And it starts just being a a snowball effect. All these things keep going. I love it. This is incredible. Do you mind if you have a little bit of time, we can kind of sneak in you breaking that down into three days with that guest. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, for y'all out there, I, it's uh, I patented it. No, I didn't. I'm going to say I patented it. So don't sue my (laughs) idea y'all. No, no. It's one of those um, again, the tactics, right? I love being tactical. And in the military, you break it down. There's operational, strategic, and tactical level of operations. In business, I do the same thing. A lot of the tactics, what's that next step? You're in the trenches. What's that next step? Like, what am I doing tomorrow to really move the needle? So that's what I help my clients with. What's that next step? So if you look at the tactical way to create efficiency in a podcast, obviously the number one thing, outsource it. Don't edit all your stuff. Don't do all that. Unless you're really good at editing, like outsource it, get a production company. Um, I ended up building a production company to do it for me. So it kind of uh, serves multiple purposes. But when I started recording, I noticed the first 10 or 15 episodes, people wanted to sell. It's all about selling, right? They Some wanted to come on and have a good conversation, but it always went to, oh, buy this from me. And it became like a used car salesman pitch. And I absolutely hate it. I'm like, this is not fun to have a conversation. So I ended up breaking it down where every guest I book about an hour and 15 minutes the first, and I break it down in my run show. I send it all to them and I prep them all with that part of the touch points, right? So it looks like a very professional production of, hey, this is a very structured thing that we're going to go through to optimize for both of us. And I tell them, you know, the first 30 minutes is your story, your journey, your personal piece. How'd you go from high school to where you are today, right? I want to know about the struggles, um, the really bad things, the blind spots that you missed that you wish you would have told yourself way back when. Um, one question I ask every guest, what's a legacy you want to leave in the world? Let's talk about that after effect, right? Um, so that's the first 30 minutes. I pause the recording. We talk a little bit and we shift into Tactical Friday. Um, Tactical Friday is all about um, what are the top two action steps you recommend to the audience take, whatever that may be. Here's your call to action. So instead of being salesy, you'd be like, hey, Brittany, what would you say the audience should do leaving this conversation? Now it can be salesy. Oh, we have this great guide. And the first two things you're going to learn from this opt-in 
right? This lead magnet. The first two things you're going to lead, you're going to learn is this and this, there's your top two action steps. And we give that call to action. So instead of it being here are my services, I just help you build out that call to action a little bit better. And it's framed in a 15 minute segment. Then once that segment's over, I record a solo cast and I talk about that guest. I love this about Brittany. She's amazing. She did this piece really well. And I've seen this get applied perfectly in X, Y, and Z scenarios. And the way I break it up, my um, production team chops it up. So the 30 minutes airs on Monday, the solo cast airs on Wednesday, and the tactical Friday piece airs on Friday. So it ends up being a story arc of let's get to know you. Let's fall in love with you. Let's hear Zach's insights about, oh, my God, I love this piece. This was so brilliant. And then let's go to the call to action on Friday. So it ends up being three episodes. It, get posted, it gets posted everywhere, so on and so forth. But it's a story arc across the week about this is where Brittany's amazing, and this is why you should use her. And I found it to be really tactical for the guest because it highlights without you having to sell, let me sell for you as an interviewer. That's my job, right? So it really highlights the value of the individual while highlighting their services. And we get to know you without you trying to sell everybody, which turns everybody off. If, if that all makes sense. I get really nerdy about this stuff. I love it. Not at all. That makes perfect sense. And I think the way you're doing it is absolutely incredible. I mean, you really shine a light on them. You make them feel very special. I mean, you talk about their story, which is huge. And from there, you shine a light on their business and what they can offer other people and why other people should be, you know, reaching out to them, connecting with these people, which is, it's huge to feel that on a podcast, you know? So the fact that you break it up in three different days, I think that's such a great idea. So then would that mean, okay, so that would mean every week you have a different guest and that week is for mm -hmm. this guest and this interesting. So it ends up being every week I'm promoting you all week. So my, my company pulls video snippets out. So Monday is your graphic that gets promoted across every social media. It's all about your story, your journey. Tuesday, I post a video on every platform. So it's a 30 or 60 second snippet. Wednesday, it's a solo cast and it's promoting what I loved about you, graphics and social media. Thursday, another video snippet from another nugget that you brought. Friday, it's another tactical Friday. Here's the call to action. Oh my God, I love these action steps that, that Brittany gave us. It's amazing. Graphics and social media cross. And then Saturday, here's another 30 and 60 second video. So for six days, you're getting all these touch points. And when you break it down to the sales process, think about on, uh, I post on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and occasionally YouTube. I'm bad about YouTube because I hate it. But you think about on each one of those, that's four posts each day. So that's four touch points on Monday, four touch points on Tuesday, four touch points. So for the, the series of six weeks, say you book with me today and we record in six weeks, uh, or let's say your, your episodes release in six weeks across that six weeks from the moment you book my show to the moment everything airs, there's your 65 ish touch points because there's some workflows that are automated. Hey, Bernie, be prepped for this and this. Hey, just so you know, your episode's coming out here. And then it's bam, a week's worth of massive promotion of who you are across my platform. And it's just nonstop touch points. And in the sales process, you need seven touch points to convert to a sale or convert to a referral. And I'm creating a workflow essentially that's all automated and my team handles it all. So I spend one hour with you and it ends up creating 60 touch points as an ideal client potentially to either get a referral or another person, you know, or a sale. And there's 60 touch points. And all I do is have a great conversation with an hour for you. Um, and that's where you look at it tactically. Like, man, if I could create 60 touch points in an hour, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. It makes so much sense to improve sales and marketing overall, right? Again, I'm, I'm going to nerd goodness. out about this stuff. I, I love this piece because I'm like, oh, this is, it was so good. I love it. I love it. No, I'm so, I also love it. 
I also really love what you're doing. I mean, you're getting all those 60 points, uh, touch points done in an hour, like light bulb. That's like, wow. <laughs> um, incredible. I love, oh my gosh, you're very smart. Like, I like that you go to the story, the, the video nuggets, the call to action, but the whole week is focused on them. And like you said, it's like the follow-ups and stuff like that. You have to do over however many, well, you need to follow up however many times. And this way you're actually already doing that by getting on, you know, for an hour with them and then having all week shining a light on these people, which is incredible. So I feel like the relationship that that would build. It would would start to to butt into it. It is because then you think about the workflows and the follow-up, right? You mentioned follow-up. So the automations I have built into this process, Calendly has amazing workflows. So, you know, the next day after recording, you get this. The next week after this, you, and it, it starts building in, hey, here's what I loved about your show. Here's what I what we're going to do to promote you. Um, hey, do you know anybody in your network that would love to come on my podcast as well that meets these parameters? And I highlight the parameters. So I get a referral onto the show for the next guest, right? And it all ends up being automated, attached to different things. Um, you start looking at how to create that conversation where it's automated right. and they feel like they're just being wine and dined essentially virtually because not many people treat a podcast as part of the business. You know, if it's a hobby, it's a hobby, but uh, I'm out here to make money and this is a part of that, right? So how can we optimize it um, that it leads to where we're going? Just think about like a client journey. You want to lead a client that doesn't know who the heck you are, hold their hand to a sale. This is essentially doing that on the podcast platform and not many people do it. And then you take it a step further, you publish it on your website, you host it on the website. So now you're sharing your link every single time and they're sending your link out to their audience. So now that conversion point for you is the host shifts. So they're sharing your link, not iTunes or Spotify. And now everybody's getting traffic on your website. And then you have the call to actions and everything on the website. So it ends up being, again, that third order effect of having one guest leads to touch points across, not just with that one guest, but their audience, because virtually you have to optimize your own call to action. If you can't talk to their audience directly, you know, how do you convert them to your audience? And having these things kind of like shift them just slightly into your platform, it's changed the game attached to like web traffic and SEO and all this other stuff that, you know, goes into optimizing your own platform. Zach, this is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for breaking that down and sharing it with us. I think what you're doing for one saves a lot of time and makes you know the relationship just so much stronger with these people as well and um the conversions a lot easier (laughs) you know so um i'm really happy you shared that so zach what what is your number one focus for 2023 or desire i mean i know you love to do those events and you do quite a few of them in atlanta a month any other focus and desires yeah, my big one, um, I mentioned I just started ATL Vets, um, which stands, it's a playoff Atlanta, ATL, um, but also the branding piece of it is it's advancing the line for veterans. And it's really focused on veteran-owned small businesses. Um, these micro events are leading to the Battle Biz Summit. Uh, this summer, I have some amazing sponsors, and it's going to be my first endeavor into a multi-day conference. And the all the profits go back to ATL Vets. So, um, I'm shooting for 300 attendees and uh, already have some 
again, looking at the podcast, imagine all the speakers I can pull from, from all these episodes. I have amazing speakers from uh, the former CEO of John Maxwell, um, the founder of the Great American Cookie Company, uh, the uh, Europe and uh, Canada. Um, he was also the uh, yeah. uh, CEO of Caribou Coffee for a long time. If you know Caribou Coffee way up there, it's more of a northern yeah. coffee. Um, that he actually, uh, that's Michael Coles. He wrote the forward of my book. He's become a mentor now from podcasting. Um, wow. and it, it just, just the dynamic of where you're, so the podcast now feeding forward into this three-day conference where the goal is to obviously increase all these micro events, go to this massive three-day conference, but it then leads into, I have a plethora of speakers from years of podcasting and connections, a national audience that I can finally bring to Atlanta for a, a good endeavor. And it all goes back to support veterans and veteran-owned businesses while providing amazing education for business owners. Um, so that's the big endeavor this year, really uh, driving hard, um, have some amazing sponsors and amazing events leading up to it. And it's all about that conversion point to uh, this summer. This is exciting. Well, I'm so happy to hear all of this back. Thank you so much for sharing. What you have going on is very, very exciting. And I, I can't wait to see how that goes for you. Everything you've done in your past up until now, woo. That's all I can say. Good for you. Uh, and I'm really happy you're able to share that with my audience and everyone else that you do throughout podcasting and speaking on stages because we people need to hear that. And it's so, so much value you're adding to people's lives and honestly relatable. There's so many people out there that have gone through similar things that they are not going to feel alone anymore, right? So I'm really happy that you you do share that with the world and you try to make the world a better place by, you know, sharing everything. Now, if anyone is looking to connect with you in regards to what you have to offer, what would be the best way to connect with you? Reach out. Yeah, the, uh, of course, the normal social media, right? Um, you can find me at Be a Tactical Leader across, um, but also, um, and I'll be specific about this part, Zach, Z-A-C-K-A, Knight. Please put the A in there because if you just Google Zach Knight, it's some uh, indie hip hop superstar and Google will not put me on top of the rankings. So um, he has a lot of hair. I have no hair and you'll know there's a difference. So Zach A. Knight across social media. Uh, but if you go to my website, go to ZachAnight.com. Um, I have an excerpt of my book and it's the first couple chapters and in the intro that I wrote. The intro, uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but it is the tell all of my journey, all the dark parts of what I went through. Uh, it's about 25 pages and it really highlights the struggles I faced. And I would encourage anybody, especially in the, the business owner space and the, the community that we want to build, go read that piece. If you don't buy the book because you hate it, that's cool. It's on Amazon. Um, it did release, just to brag for two seconds, um, it released number yes. one in mental health and number one in philosophy mythology. And if you look at all the old uh, Roman emperors, they're all philosophers. And that existential thinking is what has allowed a lot of leaders to be great leaders and business owners to be great business owners. So, you know, asking the the why more and more. Uh, so I, I was really, uh, it was kind of a laugh, but I, I was kind of honored to see Philosophy Mythology as a number one new release. And um, I'd encourage you to download the book, check out that excerpt. Um, if it's something that might move you and shift to um, maybe a, just move the needle a little bit for you. That's my hope in the book, kind of outline that we're not alone, like you said, because there's somebody out there. And uh, throughout the book, there are QR codes. If you do buy the book, there are QR codes that connect with me directly, my community, the conversations that we're having that are rough conversations that nobody wants to talk about. Um, beyond that, that website has all my other stuff. So you can check out the businesses, you can check out all the stuff and 
um, kind of the videos and all the nonsense. But yeah, ZachAnight.com is really the big one for me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Zach, it's been a privilege to have you on my show today. Like I said, I cannot wait to hear all about everything else that's happening in the next year here for you. We'll always stay in contact through social media and everything. So um, thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brittany. Group, if you're listening and enjoy, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and want to come on just like Zach A. Knight did today to share your story, talk about your business and podcast, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks so much, you guys. Catch you on the next one. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com. And then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.